I've been really fascinated with the idea of biosphere reserves as a model for sustainable development. Conservation sand. I've also been incredibly lucky over the years to work directly with scientists in developing some of these ideas. Biosphere soundscapes. The scientific implications of that material that we're recording is incredibly rich. With Leah Barclay. Leah Barclay. I'm an Australian artist, curator and composer and I work predominantly in fields of acoustic ecology and conservation at the moment. It's such a powerful environmental indicator and I mean I think when we think about aquatic acoustic ecology, looking at the surface of a river system or the surface of the ocean. You get this sort of very beautiful sense of that body of water. And so often we associate rivers and oceans as being silent or very quiet environments. But I mean, as soon as you put a hydrophone in the water, it really couldn't be further from the truth. And I think, you know, that idea of the impact of anthropogenic sound on these environments is, Um, something we don't think about and is so incredibly powerful and just giving people the experience of listening to a live hydrophone in a river system or in the ocean is a really powerful way to think about the impact of that sound because of how sound travels underwater as well. We've had some really fascinating Um, examples through the river listening workshops I've been running with very diverse demographics so from young children to um, professional scientists along the river systems and conservationists and some conservationists uh, this is on the Mary River in Queensland in Australia they've been studying this river for their entire life and you know claim to know it like the back of their hand and know every detail of the river and could take us to the exact points where we would see a turtle and not just a turtle but a specific turtle that they'd named and they knew it would be there at that point in time Um, but we put the hydrophone in the water and they could listen to the sounds beneath the surface and suddenly they opened up to an entirely new world and realised that there was this whole kind of part of the river system they really knew nothing about. And, you know, the fascinating thing with examples like that was then if we have a brush cutter down the road where one of the farmers starts um, coming slightly closer to the riverbank and you can very clearly hear that sound through the hydrophones through the entire river system and the conservationists we were working with suddenly realising the impact of the sounds on the riverbank to all of the species in the river. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really powerful way to show how sounds can impact those environments as well.
the main project that I'm working on at the moment is called Biosphere Soundscapes, and it's essentially an art science project, and it explores the changing soundscapes of UNESCO Biosphere Reserves. It started in Queensland, in Australia, in the Noosa Biosphere Reserve, and it's expanded in various locations across the world, and we're currently rolling out projects in the Sayan Khan Biosphere Reserve in Mexico. So can you give an example of um, some activity or event in either of those? Sure, absolutely. So Biosphere Soundscapes is probably one of the largest projects I've um, developed as an artist in that it's very multi-platform in its approach to creativity and science. So it has various components ranging from artists and scientists' residencies where we bring a large group of people together to work intensely and immersively in a biosphere reserve. We also have lab style structures where we bring smaller groups together to work on a specific issue. So that might be noise pollution um, in a river system in a biosphere reserve. And then we have more um, shorter durational structures such as masterclasses, community workshops and performances and installation projects. So each biosphere reserve can sort of approach that structure in a different format, whether they want to work directly with the local community through our online platforms or whether they wanted to do something larger scale, such as the residency. So in um, Sayan Khan Biosphere Reserve in Mexico, we've just launched our first residency there and we're currently calling for artists and scientists to join us on an expedition through the Biosphere Reserve, which will then involve some collaborative creative development working with all the sound materials that we collect. I was wondering then, from an outsider's perspective, the sound of a biosphere, is that something that can be conserved? Is it purely fleeting um, you know, compared to a plant that might grow for many years? sound waves absolutely sort of come and go. absolutely yeah i mean i guess from the from the perspective of biosphere reserves it's quite an interesting concept because um i've been really fascinated with the idea of biosphere reserves as a model for sustainable development and particularly more innovative approaches to sustainable development and i mean they really differ from the concept of a world heritage site or a national park in that it's about active engagement and transdisciplinary approaches to sustainability so i guess when we're thinking about innovation and experimentation and an active engagement sound is a really rich medium to think about that in terms of collaboration in the environment because obviously we can come at that from a creative perspective working with sound engineers sound artists musicians in the biosphere reserve and the scientific implications of that material that we're recording is incredibly rich. And I think that field of soundscape ecology, bioacoustics as a field as well, acoustic ecology 
the intersections of all of these fields are at a really exciting stage at the moment where people are really starting to recognise the value of listening to the environment and using sound as this ephemeral tool for environmental monitoring. Um, what about um, your journey to this situation, to having this view of how rich it all is and the interactions are? Where were you sort of before this and was there a particular event or was it a long journey that brought you here? So my background is as a musician and as a composer. I was classically trained and growing up I worked in fairly traditional approaches to composition initially, but my music was always very inspired by the environment. And I shifted into much more experimental music where I began then incorporating environmental field recordings into my compositions. And in parallel to that, I was a fairly active conservationist working as a volunteer with a number of organisations, very passionate about conservation, particularly in Australia. And there was a point in time where my kind of passion for conservation and my professional work as an artist and composer really started to merge together and I could see the value in not just creating my own work as an artist but really developing models that could bring artists and scientists together to look at some of the intersections of these fields and how we can develop new tools for conservation and environmental engagement. It's really interesting because my own story is that I am um was working in radio for a while and doing um, field recording, never professionally, just, you know, as a hobby. Um, but my father was an environmental consultant. I had done lots of field work with him and things like this. And I had been looking for a way to somehow combine the two. And at some point I made the decision that I didn't want to be the radio guy who makes programs about conservation, but rather to be a conservationist. Um, and so I'm going to be doing a master's, you know, a master's in conservation science, which, you know, is <laughs> I'm learning statistics at the moment and it's like a completely new world. Yeah, um, fantastic. And I, I'm, I, it's interesting for me to hear people who haven't sort of, haven't felt the need to jump ship, so to speak, you know, who can combine the two. Um, have you any insights or experience on combining two worlds which you know it's it's not that conservationists don't play music or like music mm. but the two are somehow separate absolutely i mean i guess um you know i've had lots of challenges along the way of attempting to <laughs> combine some of the ideas from these fields and i mean working on projects where i've um, really tried to explore the value of music and sound in conservation and come up with a lot of criticism in that, you know, if you were truly an activist or a conservationist, you wouldn't be composing music, you would be here on the ground stopping this dam that's been built or something along those lines. But my approach to that sort of criticism has always been that, you know, I feel like we're obviously at a very critical point in history and I think everyone really has to use their own tools to the best of their ability to bring awareness to conservation and climate change. And I feel like my training in music and art 
does have value to really bring awareness and when we look at the possibilities of combining some of those approaches to looking at sound and exploring sound with sciences there is a whole new world to be explored there so I've certainly faced some criticism and challenges in working directly with scientists in that uh, framework as well particularly when I've presented some of these concepts at scientific conferences but saying that I've also been incredibly lucky over the years to work directly with scientists in developing some of these ideas so that's obviously been greatly beneficial to all of these projects where it hasn't just been an artist or a musician saying please everyone listen to the environment there's an entire wealth of information we can explore in the sound of the environment Um, I've been approaching it in a very collaborative way drawing on information from scientists conservationists to really bring those ideas into a framework that hopefully has quite a lot of value that's brilliant that's something I'm really interested in these interactions with conservationists and ecologists and scientists um, are there any that you would think that's a model that you'd love other scientists and conservationists to know about absolutely I mean I guess it's really been in the last two years sort of looking at the process of starting the art science conversations and collaborations at very early stages. So I think there's um, a lot of uh, previous models for art science projects, some of my own projects included, where there's been a community engagement approach and creative development for a project and that project has happened and it's kind of 75% finished and then some... Um, you know, scientific collaboration is sort of happening at those final stages, um, which I think there's a huge amount of value in that as well. But in the past two years, I found a lot of value in starting those collaborations at incredibly early stages, working with a community uh, from an art science perspective and not necessarily having a concept for what that final project might look like or sound like, but rather exploring the art science possibilities with that community. So it doesn't necessarily um, sway one way or another. It's essentially responsive to that environment and that community. That's really interesting. Brilliant. It's very real. What's the word? Reinforcing for me to hear all these, these things like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Okay, excellent. Um, so is, are there any biospheres um, where you've worked where I could go along and at an appointed time and date hear an installation or see something? Or is there sort of continuing stuff, continuing um, physical impact or physical presence? Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent question. I'd like to say absolutely yes, (laughs) but that has been a a very challenging aspect of the project to maintain that consistency with each of the communities. And it's one of the biggest challenges for various reasons. Funding is obviously a big one. A lot of arts and cultural funding is very much framed around 
um, short-term projects to be able to develop the project, deliver it for that community. And there's not necessarily um, a lot of funding structures, particularly in the Asia-Pacific, that can facilitate a permanent and ongoing engagement. But saying that, we have attempted to design these frameworks where it's essentially building capacity in each of these communities so that we can go in and run these residencies and masterclasses and actually leave the technology in the community, the field recorders and the kind of tools that we're using with the intention and hope that that community will continue doing recording, uploading it to the database and creating their own installations and projects in that community over time, which in a number of the cases has happened, but this is also very much a long-term project. So the initial stages have all been experimenting with these different models. And I wouldn't say the outcomes that we've had to date have been representative of what the true capacity of this project is in terms of actually having that ongoing impact in the community. Ideally, in the future, we would love to have permanent listening stations in all of the biosphere reserves we're working with and also live streams online, which is something we're in the process of setting up at the moment where you will be able to go to our sound map and listen to the Noosa Biosphere Reserve open microphones in real time. Amazing. It's brilliantly ambitious. It's fantastic. It is quite ambitious, yes. <laughs> well, you got to be, right? I mean, there's at either end of conservation, whether you're on the, the scientific or the creative or the community end, you have to be ambitious, right? There's no, Absolutely, no point yeah. otherwise. Um, <laughs> we've been talking for about a quarter of an hour, and now I'm, fine. Now I'm getting to the point about acoustic ecology, which are like... <laughs> Part of me wants to be sort of, I don't want to be cruel, but a part of me does want to ask you, can you briefly tell me what acoustic ecology is? <laughs> it's not like there's a simple answer to that, is there? No, I mean, and it is a very broad field. It is very grounded in um, particular studies and historic groups in Canada, obviously. And I think, you know, the exciting thing about acoustic ecology as a field at the moment is it does have all of these connection points with the affiliate organisations of the World Forum for Acoustic Ecology. So there's all of this activity around the world. And I think what's exciting at the moment is there is a lot of interdisciplinary thinking in that field. So I think um, broadly, I mean, acoustic ecology is essentially the study of natural sounds and their relationship to the environment. But that can be much broader as well in exploring the value of sound for environmental health, exploring the possibilities of sound in understanding the environment. But the field itself does have the potential to expand into a much more interdisciplinary framework as well, which I think is some of the exciting possibilities that uh, we're experiencing at the moment where there is that potential intersection between soundscape ecology, which is certainly um, more grounded in scientific possibilities than acoustic ecology is. And then when we look at um, fields in bioacoustics and ecoacoustics, which is another interchangeable term sometimes used in that field, uh, which is certainly 
very much grounded in science, but looking at the study, um, you know, of very specific sound sources, there there's certainly great possibilities in looking at the intersection of all of those fields in how we can have holistic methodologies of understanding environmental sound. And so then there's Leah's contribution to that manifesto I'm working on of conservation sound. I guess it would be that when we think about sound and listening, our auditory perception is actually giving us more information about the environment than any of our other senses. We're able to immerse ourselves in that environmental information with our auditory perception, which we can't do with our sight and we can't do with touch, obviously. So although we're in a incredibly visually dominant society, there is a huge amount of value in really exploring the role of sound in understanding the rapid environmental changes that are taking place across the world. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that is fantastic. Thank you so much. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your interest in this work. That was Leah Barclay. Some of the sounds in here today include her work, pieces called Everglades, River of Mirrors, and Subterranean Sketch. Find out more about her work at biospheresoundscapes.org. This is the penultimate episode of Conservation Sound for this series, at least. More on the future coming up in the next episode. <laughs>